0: home, I have this amazing flexibility um, associated with that. And I got to take Abby and Luke to their co-op uh, homeschool thing that they do. I'm not even sure what the rules are for that. What did you call it? What the labels are? I don't even know what we call it. We call it school. But it's not school. It's, it's school. Some other school. So we go to Conduit Church. Uh, down Highway 31 and there are these ladies that have put together this co-op and so Abby and Luke go and they, they have school. So it was this, this particular morning I took them. It was Donuts with Dad Day which was awesome because there were what? Dad and Donuts, Dad and donuts Day. Sorry. I put the donuts first for a reason. Uh, but it was, it was dad and and donuts day. And so we got there, there was fruit and there were donuts and we just got to have breakfast and hang out with the kids and kind of see what they do, which was really, really fun. But they had, um, they had these forms that the kids had filled out ahead of time, uh, with their, their teacher. And so it was the top of the form said all about my dad. And then, so one of the teachers sat down with Abby and said, tell me your dad's name. Tell me how old he is tell me what his job is and on down the line and then somebody did the same thing with Luke uh who's 6 and Abby was was 8 and did it with with him so Abby's was straight up like prim and proper all the way you know what i mean like it was it almost like like she's a perfectionist that's just going to terrify me later but that's okay right but this thing but Luke's was also in, in a different kind of way it was Uh, revealing what, the the purpose of the exercise was for me to see, well, there are lots of purposes, but one of the purposes was for me to see their perception of me that they are communicating out to y'all. And I'm going to read you Luke's. My dad's name is Rob. He is 39 years old, which is seven years too young. His job is Eagle Scout. His favorite thing to do is have fun. His favorite food is butter biscuits, which we had this morning. Which, and I grabbed one and walked over here with it in my hand. My dad, what is something my dad always says? Quote, lower the intensity. <laughs> which is 100% true. Something I say all the time, especially to Luke. Lower the intensity. So it might be communicating to you all about me. And in preparing for today's message, I wondered what it would be like if each of us filled out a card about the Lord. And how it would compare to that which is actually revealed about the Lord in, in Scripture. So on page 147 of our, of our reading assigned this week, Ortland writes this paragraph. He says, our deepest instincts expect God to be thundering, gavel swinging, and judgment relishing, particularly in the Old Testament. We expect the bent of God's heart to be retribution to our waywardness. But then Exodus 34 taps us on the shoulder and it stops us in our tracks. The bent of God's heart is mercy. Mercy. His glory is His goodness. His glory is His lowliness. Psalm 138, 5 through 6. Great is the glory of the Lord, for though He is high, He regards the lowly. So I want to take a look today with you at Psalm, uh, excuse me, Exodus 34, verses uh, 1 through 9 together. Will you stand with me and let's read together Exodus 34. 1 through 9. The Lord said to Moses, Cut two stone tablets like the first ones, and I will write on them the words that were on the first tablets which you broke. Be prepared by morning. Come up Mount Sinai in the morning and stand before me on the mountaintop. No one may go up with you. In fact, no one should be seen anywhere on the mountain. Even the flocks and the herds are not to graze in front of that mountain. Moses cut two stone tablets like the first one. He got up early in the morning and taking the two stone tablets in his hand, he climbed Mount Sinai just as the Lord had commanded him. The Lord came down in a cloud, stood with him there, and proclaimed his name, the Lord. The Lord passed in front of him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord is a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in faithful love and truth, maintaining faithful love to a thousand generations, forgiving iniquity, rebellion, and sin. He will not leave the guilty unpunished, bringing the Father's iniquity on the children and grandchildren to the third and fourth generation. Moses immediately knelt low on the ground and worshiped. Then he said, My Lord, if I have indeed found favor with you, my Lord, please go with us, even though this is a stiff-necked people. Forgive our iniquity and our sin, and accept us as your own possession. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, you You may be seated. So there are, um, there are a ton of, it's, you, <laughs> I'm sorry to start. Uh, there's too much here, way too much for today. Um, I just, we don't have time to unpack all of the things that we, we see in this text. And, and I hope that's what the community group is for. Okay. So we, we can lay that out more this afternoon or on, or on Thursday, but, but in context with the teaching of the series, uh, Coming, coming from this book, I want to focus on the five characteristics that God uses to describe himself on his card. Um, five things that he says about his nature. They're right there in the heart of verses 6 and 7. You can see them. He's compassionate and gracious. He is slow to anger. And he is forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. So those are the five things that we're going to talk about. I'm actually going to start with number three because I think it kind of serves as the middle from which the other four kind of come out from like a flower, okay? Like petals on a a flower. So we're going to look right in the middle of it and then we'll look at the the petals. So the first thing I want to talk about is that God abounds in faithful love. You can see it right there in the text. Verse uh, verse 6. Compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in faithful love and truth. Abounding, abounding in faithful love. Steadfast love, as some other more poetic translations put it. Steadfast love and faithfulness. Try and wipe the slate clean in some respects about what you might think about the character of God. And write this first now on that blank slate. God abounds, he has an inexhaustible vault of love for you. An inexhaustible vault of love for you. It reminded me of this documentary I watched several years ago of people who had won the lottery. And sadly, most of them had no money left, which is terrifying. And speaks to the nature of the human heart, doesn't it? But one of the gentlemen, this was not so. Uh, this gentleman had more than he started with after he would won the lottery. And he was going through his mansion in West Palm Beach, single man in his 50s. Um, he, one of the things that the lottery cost him was trust in other people. But uh, so he was walking through the house, and he was saying, "Yeah, this marble statue of this thing cost twenty eight thousand dollars." And then he'd go in here, and this base, and this thing, and he had, his house was just full of these things. You know, and he, he remembered off the top of his mind all the things that that he had, and all the things that it cost, uh, the dollar amount that was associated with them. And and in sitting down with his interview, you know the, the the people doing the documentary kind of began to do the math and were like, you know, how do you have any money left, right? Like you've surely you've spent it all in this in this grand mansion full of stuff. Uh, this guy could never have a yard sale, right? I mean, because it was just it's too valuable of of, of things. And he he pointed out that whenever he felt like he was spending too too much, he would just stop all of his spending and let the interest naturally accrue on all the money that he had in his bank account until it had superseded what he originally started with and then he would start spending his money again, right? And so see, he had an inexhaustible amount of money, just completely inexhaustible for his needs and for his desires. This is what the Lord is trying to convey to Moses. This is what the Lord is trying to convey to his covenant people when it comes to his nature. God's love is inexhaustible. It's inexhaustible. It's like a, it's like a volcano that is burning so hot with love that it just keeps blasting and blasting and blasting and blasting year after year of love. It's 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 a little like whenever our country has a has a a need, we just print the money to cover it. <laughs> right? Only his his dollars don't lose value when he prints them. Right. It's just unlimited love. It's unlimited love. You you can't outsend his love for you. There is nothing you can do that would ever lead the Lord to love you any less. Nothing. You could take the life of another human being and he would not cease loving you. There's nothing you could do. There are lots of things I could do to you and you would stop loving me. You say you wouldn't, maybe if you're a Christian, maybe. maybe. But in reality, think of it, we all have our limits in, within our human capacity to love. Not so the Father. Not so the Father. He abo- It is His nature to unceasingly. You can't tap out the resource. You can't tap out the resource. Which leads us to two other characteristics. That's the center. He abounds in faithful love and truth. Faithful love right there. Which leads us to two, two other petals. Maintaining that love... And then this attribute of being slow to anger. So abounding in the center, maintaining and slow to anger. What do we mean by maintaining faithful love? You see it there in uh, verse 6. Compassion, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in faithful love, maintaining faithful love to a thousand generations. So I want to talk about maintaining faithful love and being slow to anger. So when God says to Moses at the top of this mountain, with the Ten Commandments in his hands, the focus is not on the abundance it's on the dur- durability God's love lasts to a thousand generations, which is a Hebrew way of saying into eternity into infinity if you were a mathematician it it lasts it perseveres, it keeps flowing and flowing it's the inner energetic buzz bunny of of, uh, of, of Character traits of the Lord. It, it, it persists, those of you that are um, software developers. So I, I alluded to Volcanoes. So one of the things that we like to do as a family, more, more me than Holly, but I like to do this with little kids. We always watch like 10 or 15 minutes of like America's Funniest Videos or, you know, pranks or something like that. And you just to take the edge off, just to lower the intensity. Okay. We do this a lot. And just last week, Abby and Luke and I were watching um, a, a series of videos that were very humorous at, at, at some point, and they were shocking at other points. But it was displaying alive, caught on camera, nature acts of nature having its will with different people or their property. So you had this montage of things like, you know, somebody filming a lightning storm, or a rainstorm out their patio, and all of a sudden lightning strikes the tree in their backyard. You know, terrifying, and a fire starts, and that, that kind of thing. And then it flashes on the bottom. No one was harmed, you know, in this thing. Um, you have Instagram wannabe models out on the rocks of the Pacific Ocean, and a wave comes and just destroys their, you know, their, their pride and their bodies, right? That, that kind of thing. But one of the more boring and yet also very impressive clips showed volcanic lava. Now, if you've ever seen volcanic lava flow, it is not a fast process. It is not a Corvette coming down the highway. It's a turtle's crawl. But there is absolutely nothing that can stop it unless it decides to end. And this lava just kept coming and coming, and it came up a bench like a car, and it just eventually folded up the whole car And it was was incredible. I mean, it was like, come on, you know, come on. It it, it took forever. But the, the sheer force of it, just consuming an entire vehicle. I mean, nothing could stop this flow of lava. And that is what Moses is getting to learn about God's love for him in this moment. It maintains. It is consistent. It is persistent. It doesn't stop. It doesn't just abound. It is relentless. You can't get away from it. Not only can you not outsend it, you can't outrun it. That is the love of God for you. And there's a connection between the maintaining, persistent, relentless love of God and being slow to anger. Those two things are connected to each other. Love can't last when a fuse is short. Love cannot last where anger has a short fuse. If God had a short fuse, then His love would not last a day in my life toward me. If His love had a short, if His anger had a short fuse, he, he, he wouldn't be able to love me long because I've given Him tons of reasons to be disappointed and be angry. So if if every time I I sinned, God went, well, that's it, boom. You know, I would be dead. I'd be just crushed. I'd be blown to, to smithereens even before I got out of the door in the morning. Right. So no wonder in saying I maintain faithful love even to a thousand generations, not just you, Rob, but your kids and your kids and your kids and your kids and and all down the line into infinity. This is manifest toward you individually, toward you specifically as a people, toward you, Moses, toward you, you stiff necked people. This is manifested by the fact that I am slow to anger. I hold back anger. Even though I am righteous and even though I am just, I hold back. I am long suffering in my relationship with you. I am extraordinarily patient in my relationship with you. It reminded me, I played tennis in high school. That was my sport, you know. And uh, there was this guy named, I'll never forget him. His name was David Hollingsworth. He was this little four foot one 14-year-old, like, like, how are you even, like, you're this little guy, and he had, it was, he couldn't have weighed 100 pounds. I mean, it was like, how did you even do this? At age 16, he wasn't even five feet tall, and he beat the tar out of me every time I played him. I was good. I was top 10 in the state. This guy was top five, and, and you know how he did it. He, did, he had no power. He had no spin, but he was like a backboard. It was like playing against a brick wall. Every time you hit the ball, it came back over the net, wherever he wanted to put it. No spin, no power, no He just never missed. He did not beat me with skill. He beat me with patience. He played until I quit playing, until I could not play anymore. Do you understand that is the nature of God's love for you? That that's how he holds back his anger toward us. He just... Puts the wall up and just loves us and just loves us and just loves us and just loves us. And and there's nothing we could do to outlast him. He's going to outlast us. He maintains faithful love. He guards it and he preserves it. And this is manifest by the fact that he is slow to anger and quick to love. So abounding in faithful love right in the center. That's his nature. That's his character. That's his quality. That's his attribute. It maintains. It's not just abundant. It is persistent. As manifested by the fact that he's slow to anger toward us. Those two, you, you can't maintain faithful love and be hair-trigger angry, okay? It's a quick analysis of your own relationships, right? With like, what's the relationship? If you, if you find yourself in a hair-trigger situation with your anger toward other people, what's that say about how you understand love toward them? That's a quick application that's not in the notes. The last two that are mentioned in the text are mercy and forgiveness. Mercy and forgiveness. Look at verse 6 and 7. Compassionate and gracious. Mercy, gracious. Compassionate and gracious. Slow to anger, abounding, maintaining to the forgiving iniquity, rebellion, and sin. Forgiving. So you've got compassion or mercy, and then you've got forgiveness of sin. So if God is slow to anger, if God is slow to anger, even though we give Him ample reason to be angry because of our sin, then He must be very merciful and forgiving, uh, or as the CSB puts it, compassionate and gracious. Let Let me say it another way. The reason God is slow to anger is not that He doesn't notice our sin. It's that He forgives it. The reason God is slow to anger and maintains faithful love is not that He ignores our sin. It's that He forgives our sin. He, he, He forgives the sin and not just some kinds of sins, right? So if I'm asking you to, to wipe your slate clean, your, your chalkboard, your personal slate about what you think about God and His character attributes and to start with this one. Start all over. His abounding love, His maintaining love, His slow to anger, His, His compassion and mercy towards you and His, His forgiveness of His sin towards you. That, that forgiveness part, for those of you that feel that maybe that forgiveness has qualifications, what I'm telling you is it doesn't have any qualifications. There's not a category of sin that, uh, that God's forgiveness is beyond. That's beyond His forgiveness. Um, whatever opinion you have of yourself and the way that you've lived, and you think, well, God can't forgive that, I would ask you to submit your opinion to God's statement about Himself from this text, which is to say, there's absolutely nothing you can do that I can't forgive and won't forgive. That's the only thing that's consistent with the nature of His love. All three words for sin are used in this text. All of them, that there are in Hebrew. And it shows us that all sorts of sin and all degrees of sin are forgivable. He piles them up, all the words, all three, to make plain what he means. There's not a single category of unforgivable sin, not a single one. The only sin that is unforgivable is the one that we don't repent from. Because if you, can't, if you can repent and turn from your sin, then you can be forgiven. There's just not one that he won't forgive. There's not one. So God abounds in faithful love. It's abundant. It's inexhaustible. And it's persistent. It never stops. It's unceaseless. As Demonstrated by the fact that he's slow to anger and merciful toward us and forgiving of all of our sin. That is what God has revealed about Himself from the very beginning, old and new. So, Old Testament and New, which leads me to the to the point. See, the the, the reason Ortland writes what he writes in page one forty is because of our tendency to think that the God of the Old Testament is the God of wrath and the God of the New Testament is the God of grace. And, there, and somehow like there was this change, you know, he's like the cop on the Lego movie who's, you know, <laughs> whose head swivels and he changes to be a different person, right? Uh, we were, it's like a comedy routine, right, When you have the straight man and the funny man. Uh, or if you know, watch all the cop shows, you've got the good cop and the bad cop. And maybe like that we, we bring that mentality to the, to the Bible and we think the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament are like the bad cop and the good cop. And that's and that's simply not the case. What's revealed in the Old, what we what we see about Jesus in the New Testament is is the um, is the confirmation of who God revealed Himself to be in this text. Jesus is, is confirmed. It's not a contrast. It's not. It's like yeah, well, there's God rather here? But God's also God. No, 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 no. It's not bringing balance. Like you gotta you gotta have balance. You gotta have but ba- no. <laughs> He is. It just, what does the Father say? Without Jesus, in, in, well, the unfolding of which is beginning to take place, but, but we, you and I see that. But from the very beginning, it is, I'm a compassionate and a gracious God. I'm slow to anger. I'm abounding in love and truth, maintaining faithful love to a thousand generations. On and on it goes. Jesus confirms that as He walks. You read the gospel. Jesus confirms that to be true about the Father because He and the Father are one. He showed that God is merciful and that God is gracious and slow to anger and all of those things. He showed it. He confirmed it. He confirmed it. So I want, that's what I want you to walk away with. This is who God has always been. He has not changed. And what we see in the person of Jesus is a confirmation of that truth. Now, the tendency, the tendency that we all have is to... Um, is to forget that that is true. And you see this, uh, turn your Bible to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15, verse 1. The tendency is for us to forget that that is who God has revealed himself to be and that that's what he's all about. Look at chapter 15, verse 1 and 2. All the tax collectors and the sinners... We're approaching to listen to Jesus. Why? Because he is what? Abounding in faithful love and so on. Compassionate and gracious and so on and so on and so on. Verse 2. And the Pharisees and the scribes were doing what? Complaining. Complaining. I want you to contrast. I want you to see the contrast here. The people who knew their Bibles backward and forward and who were the epitome of holiness to the culture were far from God. Far from Jesus. And the people who were shunned by the culture sh- and, and griped about by the religious leaders of the day were close to Jesus. Your, your proximity to Jesus. It's directly related to your understanding about your need for compassion and mercy and forgiveness and love. Your distance from Jesus is directly related to, your, to what you think your ability is to not need Him. That he, he should be satisfied with your own efforts. right? And so in verse 3, Jesus told them three parables about the abounding, persistent, faithful love of God. He goes after the one sheep. He goes after the one coin. And what does he do? He also goes after the rebellious son. And by the way, he also goes after the religious son who was just as rebellious out into the park. He is abounding in love, abounding in love, abounding in love. Beware the tendency of being a church-going person and thinking that God's love stops where your morality ends. No, His love never stops, and His love is always coming after you no matter where you are, what kind of person you are. So we don't want to judge people based on their behavior. We want to love people regardless of their behavior. That's the nature of what it means to be a Christian and to be a part of the church. Okay. All right, let's pray and ask the Lord to do it in our hearts. Father, we are, we are so encouraged to know. I, I, I'm, we're all encouraged to know that from the very beginning you revealed yourself to be a God of compassion, a God of mercy, a God abundant in love, maintaining love, faithful. Not not turning a blind eye to sin. Even to the third and fourth generation, sin can have its impact, but your love goes to a thousand generations. You forgive our sin and you love us and you're slow to anger. We just rejoice in your in your character and who you've revealed yourself to be made manifest in the person of Jesus. And so we ask that we would be people of faith who trust and believe that we are right with God because of your incredible love and your incredible mercy and your incredible compassion and, and that you would send your son to live a life we could not live and pay the price that we could never pay so that we can be with you who love us, us stiff necked, stubborn people you still love us. You just you keep on loving us. And we ask that we would be a church of that love, that we would be people of that love, that there are not that we would not harbor a posture toward a lost world that says, in order for me to love you, you have to meet a certain standard. We Don't let us wear T-shirts. Don't, don't, don't let us put anything on our Facebook page that would communicate to, the, to a lost world that in order to be a Christian, you've got to be something else other than loved by God in Christ. Help us, Lord. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.